podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. When I got to Nice, I accidentally fell through the roof of a French bakery. I ended up in a lot of pain. (laughs) 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 Boom, let's go. Let's do this. I was worried for you, Nate, because I thought you were going to stumble early on. No, no, no. I was just like, let's just go. I nearly did. Nearly did stumble. You caught it, though. You caught it. I did. I did. I loved it. You... you know, let's just hit the score with a nine early doors. Yes. I knew it would be loved good. Loved it. And uh, should we just crack on with the show? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. That was That was perfect. Welcome to the Padhock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Bretto, F1 presenter and correspondent. <laughs> I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. I'm Nate Saunders, not a correspondent, but I work for ESPN. <laughs> uh, and corresponding with Lawrence Bretto <laughs> is an inability to say words. But yeah, well done, I Nate. almost I haven't criticised you, Nate, for it. A, a I shunt. I then almost had a shunt myself. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, I don't think, I think we weren't really ready for the, the incredibly quick nature of the start of that, were we? So, but I just no. want to say, incredible start to the show. I kind of threw the no, no short jokes directive out the window and we, we went in. So, love it. Enjoyed um, the little uh, pat on the back you gave yourself as well, though, Nate. Yeah, big time. I can give myself uh, a proper one. It was well earned. <laughs> An actual one. It was. It was. I might even debate that that could have, could have reached 10 status. It made me laugh. I was properly like, yeah, nice. Uh, no, it's nice. I was in Nice, mate. Not nice. Oh, that's that's where the missing. <laughs> that's where the missing point was. Um, so now we know. But, um, <laughs> on on that note, though, of, of good reviews, got to get stuck into three because we've got three. Ooh. And the first one is a is wow. It's from Tunica Webster in the US of A, and it's titled Two Canadians and a Weather Report." Interesting. Uh, yeah. Five stars. Uh, Not only did my most anticipated weekly pod arrive two days earlier than normal, as usual, the boys delivered. Barreto is a bit harsh on Nate's buccaneer joke. I thought he was too. Uh, But as only a true pro can do, Nate strikes back with a top 10 60-second review. Perez has become Verstappen's number two. Who knew? We all love Gasly. Where else can F1 fans find quotes from two Canadians? Thank you, Brian, from Papa Stroll, used as Medland and Barreto's media trivia team name, and Nate chuckling at himself for throwing in baby strolls. It's the same for everybody, quote. Uh, the only way this pod could be better is for Medland's iPhone weather report for the Monaco GP to be accurate. Stay tuned. Thanks for the great weekly content. It was accurate. It, it my was iPhone weather report was accurate. Shocking. Yes, you got it spot on. <laughs> it was actually spot on right. As I was on the grid, I was like, as foretold by Medland on the pad hoc, it is raining. Nate tweeted it. Was- perfect wasn't it absolutely perfect like it was gorgeous weather all week and then suddenly 15 minutes to go we'd stay dry until then and you, you're kind of half covered on the grid as well you can't get too soaked and it starts to rain you're like yes so quick fun story about the grid i nearly got flattened by some red bull tires that i assume went on to win the race so <laughs> you know i i dodged out of the way there were some intermediate tires coming towards me and uh or some wets i don't know they were in their blankets but i'm just going to assume they're intermediates and uh yeah, they were just rolling towards me. But there were some people controlling the rolling. They weren't just like sentient wheels that had gone down the grid. <laughs> that would have been weird. There's not any of them in Formula One. We need more sentient wheels. Let's, <laughs> Lawrence, make a note of that for your next meeting with Stefano. 
sentient wheels and tires. Uh, good. He's doing it. He's actually making a note. I've invisible actually made note. an <laughs> invisible note. <laughs> Don't worry. You'll remember it. You're good. Um, but yeah, I nearly got flattened. So if I hadn't had my wits about me, I'd have been part of the Monaco tarmac. I'd been flattened there. And but the moments... cameras still wouldn't have picked it up. They still wouldn't have seen it. But moments <laughs> before that, Nate, you met a celebrity, didn't you? I and you did, did meet a, a celebrity. You had a, you had a selfie with that said I did. celebrity. Well, I met a man by the name of uh, Christoph Medland, I think his name is. He's very famous in these parts. He had his headphones on. He was doing something for Why So Serious XM, uh, which is a radio station in the United States of America. Uh, and I got a selfie with him. He was very nice. He said, hello, young man. I said, hi, sir. Can I have a selfie with you? And he was like, yeah, right. Otherwise, accent changed twice in the impression. He was very <laughs> nice about it. Yeah. And he was like, get out of it. Afterwards, he kind of kicked me like, like he was Ted Kravitz. He kicked me in the leg and said, get out of here. Get out of here, kid. So I did, but I got my selfie. What a knob. Um, <laughs> yeah, good, I know. Good chance for a segue, though, because uh, it turns out that that's all you need to do to then blag your way onto a SiriusXM radio show, because we speak to you right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've still got two more reviews to read out, but I just can't help but tell everyone because it's so exciting. Nate is just a sensation because he is into part three of a triple header of recording radio shows and podcasts. And part one was hosted by yours truly with the two lovely people also on this podcast, Nate Saunders and Lawrence Barreto, as the two <laughs> co-hosts, guests on the SiriusXM Wheel to Wheel show this week. So yep. if and we anyone had to be is... very serious, didn't we? We had to be very serious. It, it's in the name. Um, it, was, it wasn't quite the pad hoc. You know, we're, 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 what, we were like chameleons. We just changed to whatever is required. And um, we did uh, an hour-long show that will go out at 8 p.m. Eastern time if you're in America tonight wednesday and if you are not in america or it's no longer wednesday sorry <laughs> <laughs> because you can't listen to it right unless you're in america exactly i don't yeah. know if there's some way of illegally streaming it but i we don't wouldn't know it. otherwise that, i'd listen we? never vpns are bad anyway uh quickly reverting back to the or reverting back i'll get in trouble for that uh going back to the reviews because we have two more one of them is from Charlie Chestnut via Apple Podcasts in Great Britain. Love that name, Charlie Chestnut. Uh, titled Three Guys Who Love F1, five stars. Woo-hoo. Boom, thanks. And uh, Charlie Chestnut says, I stumbled across this podcast while listening to Chris on another podcast, and I must say this is the best F1 podcast out there. Not wow. for its technical knowledge or Nate's usually awful jokes. Charlie, you, you've reviewed How it before here this week. How dare uh, you, Charlie? But for the three guys who have so much passion for, passion for their sport, uh, it's a really fun podcast and a great listen whilst walking my dog. My only criticism is the Oxbridge Public School surname calling, which was annoying at first, but I've got used to it. That's twice people have called us out for that. Uh, Chris just oozes enthusiasm and a love for F1. He makes the podcast with his wit and knowledge. Lawrence comes across as a smooth-talking sweet soul, but it's both brilliant on and off screen. And Nate's awful jokes and hatred of golf keep the podcast talking on point. <laughs> and his 60-second review is a superb listen. Please keep it up. We will, but they will still be Barreto and Medland and Nate. We don't really do your surname much, Nate, do we? Yeah, Saunders is a bit common, isn't it, for this game? It's just a bit of a common surname. Yeah. Oh, it's Saunders, how you do it? Like, you don't, you can't, can't make that posh. Why? Yeah, but I thought it was going to be posh and you've just gone Cockney. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know why I keep, dropping it. I keep dropping into that. I don't know what's going on. Well, that's what happens when you've done three hours of podcasts, Nate. True, I am quite delirious. So, uh, I think I'm doing all right, though. I'm well, just living off that nine, nine out of ten. 
it, you only have to live off it a little while longer and then it's review time from you. But we've got one last uh, podcast review from Lammy Pie 75 which is Jess's brother who uh, just was terrible to us and gave us four stars last time. He's fixed it. It's now five stars. Um, and it's been changed. So it says... Uh, I found the edit button. Thanks for the pad hoc mug, Chris. This obviously did not at all influence me to update this to a five-star review at all, ever. I still think there is potential for more pad hoc gear, not to generate funds for the hosts, but for us mere fans. Keep up the good work, fellas. A new section, guest from the paddock, a random journalist, photographer, or team member, maybe. What would the pad hoc burger contain? And would there be a vegan option? So there's a lot of questions in there where... um, I mean, we hear guests from the paddock, but we don't want anyone coming in and stealing our thunder or showing us up. So no. It'll just be us three forever, uh, unless we really like them. And there's very few people that we really like, even each other. Uh, but this Gretchen, is all actually just an act, isn't it? We despise each yeah. other. Especially you, Lawrence, with your dislikable manner. <laughs> and you... I can never despise either of you. There you go. See, what a nice man. Love you, man. You could see <laughs> the focus in his mind, though, because he's thinking. He just answered that, but he was actually thinking, what is going in the burger? Oh, it's such a good question. I think it would have to be quite a cheesy burger, given Nate's jokes. <laughs> uh, hey. But then I think there should be some some. Uh, it should be some like chilies and their jalapenos because your spicy takes. Mine or um, medicines? Med- yeah, medicines. Medicines, spicy takes, and then um... brioche bun because you're sweet. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> We're done. Ah, oh. smooth talk. Wow. A bit, I mean, bit do you guys sauce. want? Do you guys want me to leave? And you guys can just keep, <laughs> keep romancing each other about this. Well, we we could bring back boot Nate. Oh, no, no, we're not booting, booting anyone. <laughs> not booting anyone. I don't want to boot Nate again. Got booted um, once. And then the final question is: uh, Yeah, we would have a vegan burger because I like vegan burgers. Uh, I'm, you know, I like all burgers. We can call it the golf burger because I ain't eating it. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't eating a vegan burger. No, no, no issues if you're vegan. I just don't want to eat it. You know, give me my, no. give me my, give me my animals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just a sec. Um, sorry, Petter's on the phone right now. Just a sec. I just gotta, gotta take that. Um, anyway, Nate, you can redeem yourself. Firstly, by telling us how exhausted you are at the end of your triple header. This has been, I mean, a marathon. It has two been two hours of marathon. Two, yeah, two two hours ten of talking, nothing but talking, which I famously don't like doing. I really hate talking, and um, I'm not very good at it. No, I disagree, Nate. I think you're very good at it. Yeah, I think I'm think I'm pretty good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you've you, you've convinced me. <laughs> I've changed my I'm mind. So modest. Yeah, you're so you're so. What's the word? Reassure? Not reassuring. You 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 changed my mind. Is what I'm trying to say. You convincing, convincing. Thank you, Meadows, with your spicy. I've always known you were a journalist, takes. Nate. Good yeah, with words. Yeah. Good, good with words. Good at, good at talking, you just said, right? Two hours. I've used all my words up. Okay, I'm out of words <laughs> yeah. now. I'm all, I'm I'm like ninety eight percent done with my words. Now, there are some words that you pre-recorded, though, aren't there? There are. Tell and them what I called it. Tell them what I called it. I was about to say, do you want me to say it or do you want to say it? This is the file name that Nate sent over. So as usual, we have not heard this yet. It's ready to be played. And the title, Nate, is? Monaco Grump Penis. <laughs> there I started. <laughs> I just thought it'd be funny. I thought it'd lighten up the mood. You know, it's a grey day-ish in Reading. 
I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change the word "pre" to "penis," and I don't regret it. <laughs> Let us redeem me and play, please. <laughs> play. If you've only got one minute to spare, wanna know who finished when and where? Sit back, relax, cause we got you. Here's Nate with the 60-second review. Hello, welcome to the review of the Monaco Grand Prix. We're going to kick it off in style. Three, two, one. Here's a quick sketch of how I think the start went from race control. Jeff? Hey, mate, what's up? It's raining. Yeah, I know. I uh, can't start the lights either. Oh, really? Just keep pushing them. Yeah, no, it won't work. Oh, we probably don't tell anyone about that because, you know, that would really explain the situation. Yeah, I'm not going to tell them. Don't worry about it. Anyway, there endeth my sketch of the start of the Monaco Grand Prix. And here it goes, the, the standard one. I've given myself less time because I'm an absolute nutter. First place, Sergio Perez. Let's go, Sergio, making things interesting at the front. Carlos Sainz, love to see that. Max Verstappen was quick. Not as quick as his dad was to write that blog after the race. Charlotte Clerk, the curse is real. Russell and Norris, the Brits bringing up the top six. Wait, look over there in the, in the background. Fernando Alonso, hey, Fernando. Fernando, give us some tones. Ah, <laughs> oh, Fernando's riding the train. Hamilton, he rode the train. Bottas, he rode the train. Vettel, he rode the train. Pierre Gasly, he rode the train. And he was quick on intermediates. Love that. Ocon rode the train with penalties. Danny Ricciardo. The Canadians, 14th, 15th. Guan Yuzhou, Sonoda, Albon. Mick Schumacher would have a terrible Uber rating. Kevin Magnussen would have a 5 Uber rating. And I will not hear anything else said about K-Mag. <laughs> wow. Oh, and now my phone's locked, playing it out, and I've just got the words Monaco Grand Penis in big letters across the middle of it. What a, just save that. That's a background right there. If anyone asks you, you just don't give them an answer. That's um, that's sensational work, I, I must say. Uh, I, I did not pay enough attention to work out how tight to time you were. I was slightly over, if I'm honest with you. Uh, but, you know, so. no one no one usually calls me up on that. So. I've got a bit sloppy. Name. I've got a bit sloppy with them recently. It's been like 63 seconds. 64 seconds, you know. So I need, I need a, I need a line manager in this. I wonder this whether we podcast. should potentially do them live, Nate. And we have a buzzer ready to go. So when it gets to the 60, 60 seconds, we just hit the buzzer. And we can do a few stop. live ones. I feel like, I feel like that would keep me honest, wouldn't it? I mean, you dishonest. <laughs> well. No, not intentionally. Hang on, why did you have to think about that, Nate? No. Well, because, I mean, I don't know if I'm dishonest, because I'd be dishonest about it, wouldn't I? If I was dishonest, I'd say, I'm not dishonest. But how would I know if I'm being dishonest or not? This has been uh, no. Nate's, psycho- <laughs> <laughs> Nate's Psychology Hour. I hope you've all reflected on your lives and who you are as people. Do you know who else should be reflecting right now? Ferrari strategy team. Yes, Lawrence Spiretto. You're on my wavelength. Nice. Nate talked about all being on the train. It's Ferrari-type train that has been written down in the run plan as derailed. That's a tough term. That is a tough term. They've had a massive shunt, haven't they? Like, an absolute... I think it was a horror show. Wow. Wow. Strong words from Barretto there. There's another surname calling. Deal with it. <laughs> I just think that um, Charles did nothing wrong, really, up until the point in which Ferrari <clears throat> called him in at the wrong time for the wrong ties. Um, and even with Carlos's strategy, if they're just pitting him a lap earlier, then he wouldn't have lost so much time behind Nicholas Latifi. And then mm. he probably would have won the race. 
Yeah, it's it's like a great example of just how not to call a race. <laughs> like like even so, I've played motorsport manager a few times, right? And I'm pretty damn good at it. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like my t- I always win, right? Even I wouldn't. I wouldn't pit someone out for one two in the lead. I'd go. I'd be like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the dry tire. So therefore, they should have done the same thing. Uh, what I found really remarkable about that was that Ferrari like botched it twice, didn't they? So Leclerc first botch knocks him out of second place. And then they do that, that ridiculous pit call and he drops out of the podium. And like you said, Lawrence, they also botched it for, for Carlos. So it was literally like they couldn't have made more. The, the only way they could have made it worse is if they'd botched it again for Carlos and then he'd finished like fifth or something. Um, it was just a disaster. The kind of thing we were worried about coming into the season, like Ferrari's not going to be bad again, is it? It's going to be okay. And then it turns out, actually, they're very similar to the Ferrari team of like 2018-19. It's just always in there, isn't it? It's just yeah. there. You kind of fear it. And yeah, I think people did fear it a little bit in Monaco. But uh, admittedly, on the grid, you talked about the grid. The grid was cool. When it started spitting with rain, you could see the nerves with everyone because they know if you get it slightly wrong in Monaco, it will really cost you. But why is it always Ferrari that get it slightly wrong? It's a good question. Um, I think part of it is because they've had so many years where they've not really been fine at the front. So they've not been able to get into a rhythm in the way that Mercedes have. Um, obviously over the last decade or so and Red Bull are starting to kind of get into that rhythm now because they've been fighting at the front for a little bit longer and Ferrari just don't have that sharpness um, and it's just frustrating because they've I think the upgrade that they brought to Spain has pushed them back in front of Red Bull in terms of pure performance and they've come away from these two races Spain and Monaco without the Grand Prix win and um, they've lost ground in the Constructors Championship. Charles is, is probably just feeling like nothing is going his way um, the only positive, really, was that Carlos just had a, a good weekend, even with that. He had a good weekend after a series of difficult weekends. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a bit disappointing because I think we could have a really strong fight between Ferrari and Red Bull this year if they could just get on top of that. Let, but then I do want to give them a little bit of, um, like, help them out a little bit. Monaco, if you make a mistake with strategy, it really hurts you. You can't, obviously, make your way back past as you could do potentially at any other circuit on the calendar. So I think bad pit calls or bad bad strategy really hurts you in Monaco. So I don't think it will be as obvious that circuits coming up, especially like Baku in Canada, if they were to make the same mistake, I think they've got the drivers that can potentially make it up again. But in Monaco, I think where you have to kind of play it safe and they were in complete control of strategy after they were lead, led away from 1-2, um, that it's kind of unforgivable, I think. Ooh, I've said horror show and unforgivable, haven't I? Wow. 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 If, this, if this was like a clickbait website, I mean, we never do clickbait titles to our podcasts, but if it was, there's some options right there. But what about then the man who apparently was just gifted everything that he'd ever wanted by Red <laughs> Bull and was just so prioritized, Sergio Perez? Is he is he a real title contender? I reckon he is now. I think so. 50, was he 15 points off the lead? It's the closest he's ever felt to being a championship contender. He's in one of the two best cars on the grid and he seems to be really comfortable with it. So I'd say so. And the, the cool thing with this is we've always kind of known Perez is really good, right? Like when he was driving at racing point, he'd be like, he finished sixth and we're like, Perez is great. He got that kind of sixth. Like that was always the narrative around him. And yeah, now he's just, he's in a really great place. And um, obviously the big question is what will Red Bull let him fight Max for a championship? I don't, don't think anyone would kind of assume that's going to be the case, but I think if he wins in Baku, like I think it's a, I think that would be the best result for the season. Now, now I'm like, if Perez can win in Baku, go ahead of Max in the championship, we'll get closer to Max again. Then you're suddenly like, oh my god, like what happens now? Do Red Bull just 
like accidentally like you know how horner was like we don't turn up to like some some of the big teams might not turn up to three or four races with this horrible inflation he might be like yeah to save money we're not actually going to race uh checo's not going to race for the next four races <laughs> we're going to save his car um <laughs> you know we're taking a really tough decision for the team and um, we just think it's the right thing for the team it's horrible for f1 you know um but checo's been a great team team guy about it and uh he's fine <laughs> so where is checo is that uh he's uh he's nowhere <laughs> what's in that box over there no nothing <laughs> definitely not definitely not Perez just hear this like thumping on the door like let me out no it's Checo in a box <laughs> <laughs> um, I no, don't was... think I don't think they're letting anywhere near it I think Barcelona showed that yeah. I kind of so I'm sure one of you two is going to chat about it but Jos Verstappen's blog entry on Max's website absolutely says what Verstappen expects or that side of the garage expects and they got it in Barcelona they didn't get it in Monaco but I still think that Red Bull were kind of trying to open the door for that. I think they thought that doing the one stop straight from full wets to slicks was the better option. And therefore letting Checo do something because he kind of was up for it would just conveniently drop him behind. Um, and worst case scenario, he'd win, which is what happened. But I, I still think that was actually done with like, oh, that might be a way of getting Max sort of back to the front again. And uh, they, it was just so blatant in Barcelona that I can't see it changing. But at least he got a new deal out of it. So I'm happy for him in that sense. Hopefully there's a bit more money for being just such a nice team player. But yeah. Well, maybe I mean, he won't because he... he joked maybe I signed too early. Maybe he did. Maybe he missed uh, his big yeah. bonus for Monaco. Maybe. but He'll he... have win bonuses though, won't he? So he'll have bonuses yeah. for good results. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I think just what annoys me still is the fact that if they'd played out Barcelona as it should have played out and he may well have ended up kind of getting... A win out of that. I mean, it's not guaranteed by any any stretch, but it all comes down to that first pit stop or that first stint where they screwed him and told him to wait behind Max. If he'd won that, the gap would be three points. Wow. So it would be awesome. Um, he'd be right in there. And he needs all of those moments. He looked like a Nico Rosberg title. Like mm. stuff had to go his way every race, essentially. Like he could barely afford something to be against him. But one thing he didn't have against him was Mercedes. They never were like, you know what? No. The only time they asked him to do anything for Lewis was Monaco that year when he was so, so slow in the wet. And they were like, look, get out of the way so Lewis can chase Ricardo down because you're just nowhere. And he did. And he won the race. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the only thing he had to do. Red Bull already kind of compromising Checo, I think, just means he's never going to be allowed to, to get that close to winning it. I think he's always got to put himself in a position like he had in Monaco where there's a car or two between him. And so that it's not very easy for Red Bull to swap the strategy around to... Because they, what they wouldn't wanted to do in this scenario was try and get Max ahead, but he only gets into second or third rather than, and then sacrifice, effectively sacrifice the win. Because ultimately, I think this year, Red Bull's greatest focus is to win the Constructors' Championship. So, okay, it's all well and good, you know, always trying to get Max into the lead, but I don't think they want another year where they just win the drivers and, and, and someone else wins the Constructors. So even if Checo won this race, it's still a massive haul of points for them this year. And I think they'll probably bat that Max on 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 um, balance will come out on top against Checo anyway this year so that he'll almost do it himself. Um, and that makes a lot of sense. That's how you're supposed to do Formula One, no? Like use both your drivers to try and win both championships. So um, a little bit of a change in strategy, I think, 
um, from Red Bull. I think they'll always favour Max on, on traditional circuits where it's easier to kind of manage the strategy and manage a Grand Prix. Monaco's an outlier in that sense. But I do think that if Checo keeps giving them the headaches, and that's exactly what he's going to do, and I'm pretty sure he's going to enjoy the spicy take that Joss had um, on the website because it kind of just shows that he's getting at them a little bit. Like, he, like mm. he's actually more of a threat than potentially most people thought he was. I, I think the only reason to put that out um, only gives Checo the advantage. Spicy. It was a spicy take, and we kind of mentioned it on Sirius, didn't we, earlier? Earlier today, or later today, depending on when you listen to it. If you listen to it, whether you listen to it, who knows? Um, but you're saying that, like, he's clearly had conversations with Max where Max has said that to him, or they've discussed it in that way. Like, I don't think Jos just writes that. He's at every race with Max. So it was a really great insight into how he's thinking about things. And um, yeah, I just, it, the, the interesting thing is that Max, if you ever ask him about favoritism or team orders, he kind of, he gets really annoyed about it. He's like, no, I don't know why you always ask this. Like, I, But we have all of this evidence now that Red Bull is stacked in this direction and that the Verstappens do expect this preferential treatment. And if you actually look back at like champions that we've had previously, like Lewis never, Lewis has never come out and demanded like favoritism. Um, like Vettel maybe expected it in 2014 against Ricardo, but never out outwardly demanded it. Like it wasn't like he was like, I must be better than this guy. So it's rare. It's this is back to like Schumacher days where it was like Schumacher was like, I'm the number one. I should be the number one. And on talent, probably, you know, made a good argument for it. But in the modern era, we've never seen anything, in my opinion, this clear cut where you've got a driver and his family have been like, must be me. In a, in a championship winning car as well. So I think that's really interesting. And how Perez plays it will be fascinating because now he's got the contract. I guess he doesn't have to worry so much, unless there's a clause in there where they can get rid of him, obviously, if he disobeys the team or something. But who knows? Uh, I'd say Fernando and Massa was pretty much like that at Ferrari. But you're right, that wasn't actually a really a championship winning car, was it? It was They kind of needed to do that to get in the race a few times. So, yeah, it's been it's been a while. It's just quite funny that Ferrari were the ones that were always kind of blamed for that approach or, to, you know, you, everyone remembers Ferrari doing it. And yet right now it's Ferrari not doing it um, that potentially could become a problem for them if Red Bull keep doing it because they're going to have to kind of respond. So that'll be interesting to see. But anyway, this is all far too serious. How much champagne did you drink in Monaco? Um, I had some champagne. Um, I think, well, we all ended up on the Pirelli yacht to celebrate their 150 year anniversary. Um, and also and everyone, everyone was calling each other by their surnames on that yacht. Just so you know. <laughs> oh yeah. We all had, we all had blazers on and, uh, boat shoes with no socks and those chinos that are too tight and slightly too high above your ankles. That's what we were all wearing. <laughs> Loved it. It was, uh, Mario Isla's birthday and, uh, Matteo Bonciani head of Pirelli comes. Uh, birthday as well so that was uh enjoyable and then before that i popped onto the aston martin boat um and had some canapes by my favorite chef tom carriage i met oh, him and he was God. lovely he was so God. cool i had so Mate, much time with him. for lines you know we get abuse for using each other's surnames and you've just said the line i had some canapes from my favorite chef tom <laughs> carriage like it's it's over for us why that's, that's it. it we're done that's it now why uh I don't have a favourite chef, and I don't ever have canapes. Canapes. Also, that's harsh on the chef that cooked for us at Williams later, which we'll get to. But oh yeah, that was that was good. Actually, yeah, no, yeah. I do have a favourite chef. 
at Williams. Williams chef. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his name well, is Williams. Yeah, Williams G Chef. No one knows what his <laughs> middle name is. Graham. Gavin. Goat. Anyway, anyway sorry. Yeah. Um, well, hang on. Did you guys have champagne? I had, yeah, no, but I had we didn't have, yeah. didn't have canapes or favorite chefs. Just champagne. Oh, <laughs> okay, all right. Fine, fine. That's hurting. That's it, hurting has, it has hurt me, yeah. Did you have you, you guys had drinks on the Red Bull float home then, did, didn't you, on Friday night? We did. Yeah, we did. That was a... That was a media party Good. where most media were welcome. Not all, it turned out. Uh, but free, free beers. So that was very nice of them. Hmm. Uh, yeah, was it, was, it was good just to catch up with people. It kind of gets everyone together. Like we all hang out as much as we can, but we can't always, you know, just because of work schedules and stuff or where people are staying. And you end up in like smaller groups of different people you know. But then when there's an event that everyone's invited to and it's so easy to go to because of the track, it's quite cool, isn't it, to... Just hang out with everyone and talk to whoever you want. I was doing a lot of networking when I was there. Um, uh, explain. <laughs> I was just networking. Just oh. Networking very well. Lots of people. Lots of interesting contacts were made. Um, but yeah, no, I did <laughs> I did enjoy the Red Bull uh, party. And I think the, the cool thing with that is is that it's absolutely ridiculous that you're on there. Uh, on that, you're, you're kind of sat there and you're like, what am I doing here? This is crazy. Um and there's a big F1 car there, which is fun. And um, there was, oh, I'm going to butcher his name, but the guy from Euphoria was like swimming around in the pool upstairs. Jacob Alorki, I can't remember his name. Everyone listening to this who's under the age of like 30 is going to be like, Nate, you're an idiot. But he was then on the grid and apparently Not he's just a massively 30. big deal. What, what's his name? What's his real name? No, no, just Nate, you're an idiot. But... Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me. Uh, a lordy that's it jacob a lordy that's what that's what i meant that's what i said basically same thing he was up there and i said hello to him and he was like don't know who you are but the people <laughs> i was with knew him and i was like see you later jacob jake jaco but yeah he was just like swimming around in the pool he was pretty drunk so <laughs> yeah. i mean that sounds fun i missed that just fun found... yeah 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 yeah. i just went upstairs to see what was going on upstairs um and then yeah Saw that, so good times. So, if anyone doesn't know, I do not know my celebrities at all. Nor do I, to be fair. I will drop some clangers for names that I interviewed uh, Patrick Dempsey on the grid, and he saved nope. me from being hit in the head by a cameraman. Um, wow. And he, he manhandled me out the way of one, and I was like, "Thank you very much," because that would have hurt. And then uh, I spoke to Liam Cunningham walking back down the pit lane. He was just on his own by the Aston Martin garage like while the rain was falling getting so excited and just kind of shouting things to people as they walked by so i went and interviewed him because i was like you look like you are buzzing it was great uh but i think it was kit harrington so i've never watched game of thrones so liam cunningham Ooh. i've just seen interviewed enough on f1 coverage to know who he is but um in terms of like kit harrington i was like i'm pretty sure that's who that is but i also don't have enough context about what you've done in life to really interview in a good way so i just didn't interview him um so that's how professional i was but um you just say again you just say again what happened when you when patrick dempsey saved you you kind of your voice fluttered a little bit and you're like (laughs) oh yeah i just what am i patrick dempsey he grabbed me (laughs) he he grabbed me and he saved me from from death certain death certain Certain death. death 
I looked yeah. at him and I said, Patrick, thank you. And he it said, was, You're it was, welcome. It was the doctor in him that did it. Yeah. To be so, honest, um, like yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it out there. Patrick Dempsey is one handsome man, isn't he? Like I was looking at him on the grid and I was like, I was like, fair play to you, sir. Fair play. You look great. Well done. Well done to you for having good I mean, genes. I agree. Do you do that with many people on the grid? No, that's probably the first time it's ever happened. Well, I mean, that day anyway. I did it with that Jacob fella, the fish, the swimming guy. He was a good looking chap. The fish. The swimming fish, the fish guy, yeah. The... <laughs> um, can you tell so, Nick's yeah. done three of these in a row? Yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah I'm not at my usual, my usual, like, analytical and witty best. But, um, Anyway, sorry. I just wanted to point out that Meadows definitely his voice. If you want to listen, skip back a couple seconds in the pod to when Meadows first mentioned Patrick Dempsey. Oh, he fancies him, and I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So Nate has just also made the same point. Uh, Barreto <laughs> fancies uh, Tom Kerridge as the, his favourite chef, but what about someone who cooked for you on Friday? Uh, to be fair, I've got a lot of time for Noah Keaton, so don't don't let us not drop me under the bus. Right here. Who's Noel Keaton? That's the Williams guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my god. You know his name as well. It's the I mean, I chef. should know his name as well. Oh dear. So but I uh, didn't know you're like, well, obviously he's no Noel Keaton, but you know, it was, it was a tremendous meal and I absolutely loved it. You know, it's fantastic. <laughs> absolutely fantastic. He, he called it the Jubilee meal, you know, the platy. He was like, this is a platy jubes meal for the for the boys. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Sterling Moss is with us somehow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah some hologram. Returned. Yeah. Wow. Good Stop effort. It. Welcome Stop. to Monaco. You all called it Monaco, didn't you? <laughs> that, that's when you know it's proper. It's proper like hoity-toity. Monaco. Oh, dear. Okay. All right. I'm going to move on. Shall I, Shall I just Shall I explain well, what no. happens? Shall I explain yeah. what happens? Well, the other chefs. Sorry. Yeah. And then we'll and then we'll name other chefs on the grid. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> uh, so, so the three of us um, had a catch up uh, over the course of the Monaco Grand Prix weekend, and we went to uh, we went to Williams. We went up to the rooftop. Um, we had a, a non-alcoholic drink at the top, um, and then I had a beer. I'll be honest, I had a beer, I had a beer as well. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I, was, was I the only one who had the non-alcoholic drink? Yeah, I mean, I no, you did. Yeah. I got quite yeah. carried away with the Monaco vibe. Yeah, okay. There you go. See, standard, these boys. Hey, maybe they're at their best when they've had a beer. Who knows? Um, and my friend Razor came up and said, Would you like to stay for lunch? Um, and I was like, Well, yeah, what well, why not? So we went downstairs and it wasn't just any old lunch, was it, chaps? It was a three was a- course meal on some of the finest China I've ever seen, Wedgwood. <laughs> and um yeah, Niall came out, said hello, and then he went into his little is, kitchen. Is Wedgwood your favourite China? <laughs> yeah no and and actually niall and wedgwood is his favorite chef china combination <laughs> as well so as much as he loves the aston guy the, the china there isn't quite up to snuff so he prefers the combination at williams but individual chef is at aston just so just in case you're in case you're listening um, uh, i don't know why this has happened I might just know, stop because you, know, you keep name dropping chefs on the grid. That's why. <laughs> but that's do you because... know. Okay, right, I'm going to ask you straight up, mate, as a friend. Do you know the names of any other chefs that were F1 teams? Don't lie to me. What's Pirelli's? You know Pirelli's, don't you? You know Pirelli's. I will He's made you that choose... burger before. I will choose not to comment any further. You know Pirelli's. Come on, just just give us a name. <laughs> just give us a name. 
No, stop it. Right, let's move on. No, because I, I feel like this is unfair on on the other chefs in the paddock. Or the chefs that you don't know, who you haven't networked with, <laughs> who aren't on your favourites list. Lawrence is like, no, I don't care. Unless it's Niall or the other the other chap. Not interested. <laughs> What's the other guy called again? Tom? Tom Carriage. Yeah, Tom. Tom Carriage and Niall Williams, man. <laughs> Beto, Bretto is pleading the fifth by just losing it, basically. Yeah. Um, sorry, Bretto, you're talking though. So we, three three course lunch. Well, I was going to run through the menu, but I don't know if you want me to do that or not. Now, now I feel like but I just can't fair, even talk, right? The menu was the menu was good. I mean, if I had a favourite chef, it would be Niall from Williams because uh, it was good food. Go on, run through the run through the menu. So, so we had uh, local burrata, heritage tomatoes. And basil to start with. Then we had scod spaghetti, scod, cod spaghetti, caper, lemon. I don't know how to say this. Bureau blanc. Don't know. Don't know. It was like a lemon sauce, right? It was a lemon sauce. And then we had cherry pistachio pavlova, pavlova to start to finish. And all on, all on Uh, great china. What has just happened? Yeah, it was. I mean, Beretta (laughs) is just absolutely shunted. Yeah, I know. I've had a massive shunt because you. You stress me out, boys. I've got wow. red. I mean, it look, was it was delightful. It was lovely. People listening, I'm sure everyone tuned in to hear our lunch order. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you for Williams to Williams for hosting us. Um, it was nice. It was lovely. Williams is just a nice team, isn't they it? They really are. I like Williams. I'm a big fan. I was amazed. I'm gonna I'm gonna name drop. Not name drop. I'm gonna big Lawrence up here. We were in Williams. I think Meadows had to run off, and I was like, "I've got to go back to the media center." Lawrence was like, oh, "I'll walk with you." Took us like twenty minutes to leave because everyone was like, "Lawrence!" <laughs> Every person would come and be like, "Lawrence!" And like, "Oh, hey, friend, hey, this is," and and he kept turning to me. He's like, "This is my favorite esports person <laughs> in the world." And I was like, "Oh, nice." And then he'd be like, "This is my favorite press officer in the world." And he'd be like, "This is my favorite time mechanic in the world." And I was like, "Oh, mate, I mean, how do you know all these people? All at Williams, every single one of them." And he knew them by name. And he was like, oh, I just had some some food with chef uh, with chef with chef Nile, and they're like, oh, how good's that china? He was like, great, it's really, <laughs> really really good. <laughs> so I don't think I keep coming back. Um, but no, Lawrence Barreto is firmly a friend of the Williams team, and I respect that a lot. I've got a lot of time for everyone at Williams; they're always so friendly and welcoming. Yeah, very very nice team. And we shouldn't really stoke them off, since we've got a banging free lunch out of it. Which we're just here to um, like perpetuate the stereotype that is. As journalists and free lunches, we were there. We absolutely were there. Yeah. Uh, partly because the media centre in Monaco gives you a ham baguette, or like part of one, or a cheese baguette. And they'll give you that once a day or twice a day. Same thing every day, just in a in a box that you have to go and like grab one before they've all gone. Some people grab two or three and then they go quickly. It oh, is wow. feeding time at the zoo when that happens. And I think it was Saturday that happened. And... Uh, there was no one near enough to go around and a lot of very angry, hungry people. So, um, yeah, you should clearly feel very sorry for us after our sensational free yacht parties and, and uh, three-course lunch that we had one day when we didn't get lunch. I mean, somebody save us. It's tough. It's tough up there. Yeah. It's a tough it's, world. Yeah, but, yeah, we got through it. We survived. We did. Uh, I'm proud of us. Yeah, battled hard in tough conditions. I feel like you've run out of steam. Maybe I don't are. run on steam. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> it's <laughs> been a. What's busy... your favourite? What's oh, your favourite steam giving vehicle? Oh, it's going to be steam giving. steam train. 
Steam train? It's what about steam steamboat? One of the steamboats that they have? No, like lo- like lo- proper locomotive. Oh yeah, a loco- yeah, a proper steam powered locomotive. Okay. Good. So your dream Absolutely. scenario would be you're riding on a steam train locomotive. You've got Chef Tom <laughs> in one carriage making your lunch with the on good China. China. The good Williams China, then you know the Williams team are just on the train for no reason, and Niall's there just in reserve if needed. If someone, you know, Niall, I don't know, Tom wants to take a day. You know, you stop in a nice place. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go have a day, and Niall's like, Don't you worry about it. I will step in, and I will feed you, Lawrence, and you'll just be sat on your recliner, you know, in your velvet robes, and they'll say grapes. You're like, Yes, please, more grapes. <laughs> I don't have a velvet robe. Just for clarity. You should. You should have one. You should walk down the down the grid with it. You you talk about uh steam and steamboats, and I'm trying to make that segue into submarines. I can't anyway. Uh flying back from Monaco. Yeah, it was a type of you know water going vehicle vessel. That was a bad segue. Yeah, it was. It was. You also used um, it pretty good, so surprised. Nah, I just I couldn't couldn't make it work. But flying back was uh connecting in no, it was leaving Nice, waiting to leave Nice. And there was this guy who sat opposite us um, when we were waiting to board our flights. And he kind of picked up that we were talking about F1 or had been at F1. And he was giving us some info about delayed flight things on the board. And he, uh, we got chatting and he'd come out for his dad's 60th birthday, I think. And he'd booked it all like three years ago when, maybe even four years ago, when it first opened up that you could book tickets and stuff. Had it all planned out. Then Thursday, when they were meant to fly out, EasyJet cancelled their flight because there's been loads of issues with uh, flights. So he had to pay two and a half grand to fly Air France down there on the Friday morning, um, but had a great time, loved it. But this is where it gets good. So we met him and he was about to fly to Barcelona. I'm like, well, why are you doing that? You just flew him from the UK and now you're flying to Barcelona. He was flying to Barcelona to get another flight to, um, I don't know how much info I can now give, but to another Spanish port where a helicopter would then take him out to an unknown location where he would be dropped onto the submarine that he was a commander of that was already out one month into its deployment and he was then going to go and do two months deployment on this submarine normally it's three months at a time but because he had this plan for four years um, and he was important they kind of let him go and do it so he's like saying it'd be damn expensive to make this happen but he's getting choppered in um, and it would just surface quickly enough to get him on and disappear again but he says that'll be it two months he'll be gone underground so having watched He's a big F1 fan and watched the Monaco Grand Prix. He now won't know what happens in Formula One until basically the summer break when he resurfaces. Wow. He'll, find, he'll find out how it's gone. Like he says they get bits of news, but you can't watch it or follow it and stuff. So uh, his name was Jonathan. That's all I can give you for security reasons. But um, yeah, he's he was his favorite submarine commander. He absolutely is now. Absolutely is. Um, he's right up there with the best. But yeah, no, it was. Um, I just thought of how cool that was but weird that this guy just spent so much like time effort money on being at this race and having the time of his life and then he won't know anything that happens for another like three months now that's awesome story and that seems like a very happy note to end this podcast before you guys give me any more abuse i was about to say (laughs) is that you deflecting just making sure we don't don't finish yeah very much so i mean there's got to be some benefit to hosting this right i can cut you off at any point so I'm gonna, I'm gonna use um, my powers to do that right now. Thanks very much. His Pat. powers. <laughs> His powers. Wow. Okay. No, I don't want to. I don't want to. Not talk anymore.
In one hand, he holds his powers. In the other, he holds his canapes for Tom. <laughs> Once I promised I would use my powers for good, but they are so... It feels so good to do it. <laughs> anyway, right. guys, I agree with you, actually. You should wrap up now. <laughs> oh, <thanks. laughs> we definitely are in wrap-up territory let's go let's get out of all here. right well thanks very much chaps uh it's been a pleasure as always uh please remember to hit the subscribe button and follow us on our social channels at the pad hoc you can mean read nate's work on espn.com medicine's work on race.com and my work on f1.com we'll do this again very very soon loves the canopy chefs <laughs> chefs kiss Network.